in our second session on Philippians 3, 11 to 14, we pick up where we left off. Last time, we focused on this if here. Paul wants to know Christ, know the power of his resurrection, know the sharing of his sufferings, become like him in his death, if by any means or if somehow he may attain the resurrection from the dead. And I ask, does that if throw our assurance into question? Since it is possible that we might make shipwreck of faith and throw away Christ and throw away holiness and not attain the resurrection. Now, before I answer that question by moving to verse 12, one more observation about this seeking to attain the resurrection. Remember that back in 7 to 9, Paul's passion was that he might attain the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. He has discovered in the Damascus Road encounter with Christ and all of his dealings with him that the surpassing value in all the world is knowing Christ or more fully gaining Christ. He wants to know him in the way that you know him when you have him, when you gain him. Now, when he says here that all of this is done so, the, so that he might attain the resurrection, it's not as though he's saying, well, now Christ is fine as a means to something else. Knowing him is fine as a means to knowing something else, and that something else happens to be the resurrection of the dead. I think that's the wrong way to think about it. The right way, I would suggest, to think about it is that the resurrection for Paul is the final and what word shall we use? Total gaining of Christ, knowing of Christ. Here's another pointer to that. He wanted to become like him in his death, become like him in his death. Well, over at the end of chapter 3, just a few verses later, What's the climax of becoming like Christ? Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform, transform, make like our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. So when he talks about becoming like him in his death, that's a means to the resurrection. At the resurrection, we finish becoming like him. And in becoming like him, we taste a final, full, total gaining of Christ and likeness to Christ and knowledge of Christ. So I don't think this resurrection here is supposed to be understood as something beyond knowing Christ, beyond gaining Christ, as though Christ were a mere stepping stone to something better. He's not. He is the surpassing value, and the resurrection is the fullness, the final, total, full gaining of Christ. Now to our question. Does this if wreck our assurance? Father, show us how verse 12 answers that question. Oh, God, grant that 
I and those who are with me now would taste the sweetness of assurance the way Paul does. I ask this in Jesus' name. Not that I have already obtained this, this resurrection. So I want to attain the resurrection. And then he says, not that I've already obtained it or am already perfect. I think the reference to being perfected here perhaps relates back to this, becoming like him in his death. I haven't, I haven't achieved that yet. Paul seems to be straining to help these Philippians realize he's not making any claim of perfection. He's not making any claim of being beyond the, the need to struggle or pursue. He hasn't arrived yet. He hasn't been raised from the dead yet. He hasn't become like Jesus completely yet. But he pursues, he pursues if, and this if here is like this if here, minus the somehow. If somehow I might attain, if I may make it my own. So up till right here, he has talked about himself and his goals as not yet having happened and involving a tremendous pursuit through longing to know him, longing to know his power and resurrection, longing to know his share, shared of his, longing to know the sharing of his sufferings and longing to be like him, all that he might attain the resurrection. But now, in the middle of verse 12, he says, because, F ho, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. This is not an if. <laughs> Let this sink in. This is not, well, maybe he's made me his own or maybe he has laid hold on me. No, he has. Christ Jesus. I have been laid hold on by Christ. And I, I, used the, I put in the Greek here. I know that doesn't mean anything to a lot of you. But here he says, not that I have already obtained, and he uses this word lambano or elaban, take or, or take hold of or grasp. But when he gets here, he says, oh, I'm making it my aim to pursue if somehow I might kata lambano, decisively, securely, permanently, firmly seize the resurrection because Christ has, same word, permanently, decisively, securely seized me. I have been seized by Christ. And here's the literal translation. I put it in brackets. Not that already I took hold or already am perfected, but I pursue if I may securely seize it, the resurrection, this final experience of the gaining and knowing of Christ, securely seize it because I have also been securely seized by Christ. These two statements are the key to assurance, are they not? So here's what I would let me point you to a couple of texts and I'll sum it up for you how I understand assurance in this text. Look at Romans 8, 14 to 17 to see assurance with an if. All who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. 
Be confident. Four, you didn't receive the spirit of slavery. No, you didn't. No big if about it. You didn't. You didn't receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So he's, he's laboring to help us feel assurance here, isn't he? To show us how we come to the deep confidence that we're not slaves anymore. We've been adopted into the family. The Spirit is bearing witness. The Spirit doesn't lie. We are. We are the children of God. And if we're children, which we are, then we're heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And now he says, if again, if we suffer with him. And I think after he says that, he would add, and oh, we will. All the children of God will embrace those sufferings. We won't turn on Jesus in our suffering. We will be with him all the way to the grave in our sufferings. There's an interesting parallel here in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. And now watch this. Then... I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Do you see the parallel between that and this? I pursue to make it my own because I have been made Christ's own. I'm going to make it my own. I am going to make it my own because Christ has made me his own. I shall know fully because I have been known fully by Christ. So, stepping back now, here's what I would say about assurance. Do we have assurance? Can we be confident that we're going to attain the resurrection of the dead? Answer, yes. Yes. And I base that yes on because Christ Jesus has made me his own and he means for us to experience the sweetness of that. And he says it. He has made me his own. Even though he talks as though there are things he must fulfill, which there are. And theoretically, he could lose his, uh, not lose his salvation, but not be saved by proving that he never was born of God. But that's not going to happen because Christ has made me his own. So, yes, there's assurance. And here's the but. But, and this is what we learn from this passage, but it's not an assurance. How should we say it? Not, not in a way, not a kind of assurance that makes Pursuing the resurrection, pursuing non-essential. I know there's several negatives in there. Let me read it again. Yes, we have assurance. Yes, yes, yes. But it's not the kind of assurance that makes you cavalier about obedience, but not in a way that makes pursuing non-essential. What I mean by pursuing is, is these words here. Not that I have already obtained this, nor already perfect, but I pursue. Get another color here. I pursue 
if somehow I might make it my own because he's made me his own. Brothers, I don't consider that I have made it my own. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal. So you can see, when I say there is assurance, but it's not the kind of assurance that takes away the essential nature and need of pursuing. I'm basing that on I pursue, I strain forward, I press on. So next time we want to look more fully at what Paul means by that straining and forgetting and pressing on. 